Welcome to Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast, a podcast for resilient entrepreneurs. I'm Katrina, and my guest on this week's program is Alisa Williams, who is a mental health therapist and a founder of Perfect Peace Coaching Care. Alisa helps business owners to heal, grow, gain, and maximize their potential as opportunists as well as entrepreneurs. And today we discuss the importance of achieving optimal health before pursuing entrepreneurship and strategies to meet the demands of business ownership. Can we are live. Hi, Alisa. Hello. How are you, Katerina? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's, it's all happening in 2021. <laughs> Everyone, I think we, we're all kind of thinking it's going to be a different year. So we start fresh with fresh ideas, with fresh moods um, and so on. But no, it's, it's, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be a part of it. And I was so excited. Like you said, this is an interesting year for me as well. Um, I I really can't put a a word on this year, but it's an interesting year. But we all are, I I believe that we all are in a, a moment that we're just trying to move past the negativity and move into the positivity of what's going on. So as like I said, I'm delighted to be here to add whatever I can in regards to moving forward for 2021. Yeah. Um, so uh, ju- just to give our listeners uh, a, li- a little background about who you are and what you do, can you just tell us a little bit about your background? How did you start your coaching business? Uh, you know, I-, I know you've been a health professional, uh, healthcare professional for, for quite a long time. What made you go into this profession in the first place? Wow, <laughs> that's a you know <clears throat> a great, great, great question. And I have to start out saying um, <clears throat> I myself, because I am I'm very candid in regards to what I'm very honest about my life and how um, I endeavored in the passion of a mental health, mental wellness, I honestly, I started out as a um, a kid. I was extremely depressed. I had anxiety issues. So that was the beginning, I, w- I would say, in regards to me having that awareness. I always wanted to know what was wrong with me, what was going on. I came from a blended family, which was much, very caring and loving, but we had a lot of trying times. So much emotional dysfunction on my end. I didn't have the pleasure of actually um, having the connection of a provider or a counselor. So I just, I just, what I did was I utilized my faith. My faith was very important to me. So that was something that honestly I grew up, I was connected with my faith. And that's, a, I was a believer in the Christian faith. So that kind of helped in regards to the mental part of surviving it. Yeah. As I became an adult, <laughs> I honestly was not interested in mental health. I was um I was interested in um it's funny uh the fashion model- modeling because I was a part of the entertainment family. <laughs> so um 
I, like I said, I endeavored in mental health later as I became a, I started volunteering for at-risk youth. And while you're listening to these individuals, they were hurting and I related to them. It was so relatable because I was that same youth. I suffered, I was hurting. So I said, you know what? This is something that I would love to endeavor in. So I started to, um, I started to endeavor in uh, social work and I finished my education in social work and I worked for a company called Communities in Schools for about nine years. And it was what you call case management. So that was the beginning of my mental health career. Case management is where you assess, where you refer and you link um, individuals that are hurt, that are hurting that actually are in, in situations that they need help socially, mentally, and other issues. So I did a lot. I was a gang prevention advocate. I was a domestic violence advocate, and I was a family advocate. So I tell you, that was the beginning of my passion. It's not like I said one day I got up and said I wanted to be a mental health provider. What you call, I gained passion for it because I worked the community. And when you listen to the people that are hurting and lost and broken, you become passionate and you become caring for their needs. So that was the beginning. And hereafter, I continued to pursue a case manager. I was a homeless um, provider. I work with the chronically homeless, those that chronically homeless is those that are actually they are individuals that are suffering from chronic illnesses like diabetes, um, AIDS, chronic illnesses that otherwise that those that are what we call um, in the normal society that actually see the doctor, homeless Mm -hmm. individuals don't. So they're just out there, vulnerable. So what I did was assess them and connected them first with housing. And then hereafter you follow along the lines of making sure that they have their health care in order and all of those major things. So actually my passion, you know, for um, mental health, it started from case management. Then I moved into becoming what I call a counselor, a therapist. And I, I began to um, take the role of now um, caring for individuals with um, disorders. I became a individual where I have active listening and I provide coping skills for depression, for anxiety. So that's how, you know, I became a a provider itself. Like I said, it wasn't where I got up one day and said, you know, oh, (laughs) you know, mental health is something that um, (laughs) I want to do. But I want to explain to everybody, it's the passion. You have to have a passion for this field. It's, it's you, yeah. You're expecting to um, actually endeavor in it for the financial reasons. Don't. Don't. Yeah. Because you yeah. have to be a part of the people. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting you're saying, you know, about passion. And we've, we've discussed this topic of finding your passion uh, se- several times on this um, uh, podcast. And... Um, the thing is with with passion, I also recently read the book by Seth Godin, and he says, well, you know, 
Passion is one thing, but again, you you almost like develop just just what you said. You develop a passion by being involved and helping. And uh, seeing, you know, the impact you have on communities and on people around you. Yeah. So, it's, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, what shall, sh- shall I do as a, you know, as a business owner? Um, and then what's my passion? And they're trying to sort of figure this out. But like you said, you gain almost like passion through engagement with the community. Yes, yes, yes. You've, it first starts with, yes, the engagement, connectivity. The heart of the people, yeah. knowing that, you know, wow, because I can relate. I'm so relatable to many people in regards to I've had where I didn't have it. And I had to uh, engage in public uh, social services myself as an individual. Mm-hmm. Then, however, there are times when I was at a great peak in my life and I was able to be very self-sufficient as of now. But nevertheless, I believe that um, I always know that I spirituality is one key that connects people. I don't it doesn't matter what your spiritual place is, but if you have a spiritual connectivity, then you become extremely empathic for society, empathic for humanity. And so that's where I built upon my my mental awareness saying, you know what, I want everyone to to feel good. Because you can't, if you're mentally duress and stressed, how could you really find your purpose? How can you really find your passion in life when you're stuck in mental abyss? So I know all too well in regards to that. So, yeah, yeah, so that's where my business, and would you like to be able to talk about that? (laughs) Yeah, sure. And that's where... I developed Perfect Peace um, July 2019. I became what I call a behavioral health coach, okay? And my business is called Perfect Peace Coaching Care, okay? And I talk, I do have a, um, well, I call my live sessions and they are broadcast as well. And what I do is I like to talk in regards to the differences of mental health Um, counseling versus coaching. Mental health counseling is where you actually take folks from the past and you, what you want to do is you want to target specific disorders like anxiety and depression, those specific areas. Um, You are, you're actually um, endeavoring deep. You're adding um, different treatment plans and, and coping skills so that these individuals like cognitive behavioral therapy, and also motivational interviewing. These are the type of actually techniques that I'm working with as a therapist. So I have a two role here. I do. I am a mental health counselor as well. I have a day job, but nevertheless, I have a business, which is perfect peace. And coaching is what we call, you work with the here and the now. You help individuals that may, you may have depression, or a disorder, but I'm helping you set goals toward getting better, okay? I'm not so much, it's not so intense, but however, if you're working with your therapist on your coping skills to help you manage your anxiety, but as a coach, I'm able to say, okay, so you're managing anxiety, awesome. So what we're gonna do is work on some goals. 
in regards to maybe you want to go back to school. So let's just see how that's going to work. How So how are you going to be able to manage the, the anxiety versus going to school? So actually, I can work with a therapist as, as the coach, and we're getting you together to maximize your full potential. So my mission with Perfect Peace is to help individuals first and foremost heal. Heal. Heal from those things that have prevented you from moving towards your goals. And then help you grow, <laughs> grow into possibly that goal. And then you gain, you gain <laughs> what you need from actual the actual coping skills in, re in regards to myself, a therapist. And then guess what? You maximize your potential. <laughs> you become, uh, you graduate from school and you reach your career magnitude. So that's. I, I know as, as the, the human race that we all have skill sets and abilities and talents. We just need support. And that's um, something that I, I came actually, I came up with that, um, what I call my method. Everyone has a method and that's mine. And I believe that's more of a seamless process. Actually a word for me, because if I look at my life, I was able to heal, grow, gain and now i'm at a point of maximizing my potential yeah no it's, it's great thank you so much for explaining but you know you you've got tons of uh experience and you've been doing this for well the the mental health um care for quite some time mm -hmm. what's your view on 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 the situation generally with the mental health compared to say 20 years ago are we uh is the situation worsening uh, with regards to mental health? And if so, what's causing it? Oh, great question, Katarina. <laughs> great question. You, I um, 20 years ago, I would say we were in prevention. I was a prevention provider. Prevention is where you are preventing those major mental health disorders. Um, I would say... As I was beginning in the field of what I call uh, behavioral health, social services, community mental health, I began to see um, that there were environmental factors greatly in the community. Um, we, in regards to especially children, let's start with children, the lack of what we call um, parental guidance healthy environments. So these individuals, what they do, they act out. They act out at school. They act out at home. They become delinquent. So that was, the be I would say, the beginning of where the family dynamic was very broken. It was very broken. This started um, in the mid-90s and into well into the 2000s. So we actually, there were, the I would say here in America, a there were numerous amounts of um, monies being poured into prevention. But however, as the administrations change, you know, in America, we, we change administrations from Democrat to Republican. So as those administrations change, guess what? The priority of what's in society starts to change. And then 
uh, develop. And however, those prevention dollars were no more. So guess what? Society began to dip. And then where did we go? We went into what? Intervention. Because prevention, there were the providers that, like myself, that were providing prevention um, techniques where we were going out and assessing and referring and linking individuals that needed, that were right in that hub of saying that you can possibly, you know, be at a at-risk situation, those dollars were no more. I couldn't, I could no longer uh, connect with the at-risk situation. At risk is now you're in risk. <laughs> now we're, we're spending money to intervene. Now we're talking about individuals that are moving more into a greater diagnosis, bipolar, more the kids were diagnosed with ADHD and we're spending so much money on medications and now more money's on uh, psychiatric care. And now myself, community, what we call community outpatient counselors are at the greatest number today versus um, prior, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, it wasn't um, as, I would say, enormous. Now we have enormous amounts of outpatient therapists versus 20 years ago because we're in intervention. We are no longer preventing. We're, we're intervening now. And that's, unfortunately, that's so, you know, Katarina's sad to me because I, I actually, 20 years ago, I wanted to develop, I was in the developing stages of actually creating a nonprofit that was based on preventive work. Uh, it was a model that was strictly case management, mm. assessing, referring, and linking. Honestly, I was going to just have um, connect the families, you know, with so many resources. And it comes back to the families. And if the family dynamic is broken, that's where the mental dysfunctionality comes. So I believe that's where we begin to uh, see the, the decline, the decline and yeah. where we are mentally well because the family dynamic was not addressed 20 years ago. <laughs> so now we're, it's, we're having this catch up game. We're trying to catch up. Okay. And if we, we, we're, we're band-aided. It's a band-aid, but it's not quite where it needs to be. I would say it's it's we're out there, but nevertheless, we're we're running around trying to prevent so many fires, so many fires where it could have been prevented twenty years ago. But nevertheless, it's I would say um, different administrations, like I said, the change in administrations, one administration, one administration, sorry, is saying that, okay, you know, um, social services, the social part of society means so much. Let's focus on the people and their welfare. And another administration is saying, well, let's so focus on capitalism and let's mm -hmm. focus on getting this economy back together. So yeah. what do you do, you know, in regards to that? So I yeah. would say, I was, you know, it's, it's, it's very complicated <laughs> at this point because it's not only just the people themselves trying, tr trying to figure out and providers, but it takes actually, it's going to take a whole entire 
integration, integration regarding the government, seeing that um, mental health awareness is so important. It is so important. And it goes back into the work workplace as well. I have the uh, for, uh, fortunate um, uh, ability to have individuals in my workplace that we we prioritize our employees. We as an employee, I work in a social service agency, a mental health agency, and however, we are constantly um, initiated to as far as our self-care. We are individuals that we believe in taking care of our wellness first. Self-care is, you know, ensuring that your mental wellness is prioritized as an employee. And that's the issue. If you cannot, as an employee, if you're not feeling up to part, if at the time you're having situational issues, which causing situational depression, then how can you perform as an employee? How can you be productive? Yeah, you are right. And I, I agree with you. There is also... There is a number of uh, there are a number of reports out there which uh, show some statistics about how many days people take off sick, uh, you know, because of the the mental health and the impact on productivity for, on businesses. But you know, you um, you you're an entrepreneur, and um, what's your view on um, uh, the need to look after your mental health as an entrepreneur? You know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they start their businesses, they care, right. first of all, about, you know, how to find the right product to sell. Um, they're looking at some, I don't know, demand and, and, and stuff like that. And they can't, they, they're not focused on their mental health. Uh, do entrepreneurs need to look after their mental health first um, to be able to function as, as you know, be good um, founders, be... Uh, healthy founders and entrepreneurs? Oh, absolutely. Um, yes, I am a, um, definitely as a business owner, um, I cannot perform at my maximum level if my mental uh, stability is, is not where it needs to be um, to, because I'm in a business and everyone's business is different. I'm in a business where I have to definitely help those individuals uh, become mental well. And if I can, if I'm not mentally well, then how can I help my clients? So first and foremost, yes, um, it starts with us as business owners. For example, um, I like to, like I said, I like to become the client myself. I have been there. I've actually been a client. So I understand what it's like to be in a place where you're situational um, and it's situational, whether you're, it's anxiety, depression, situational is, hey, you could experience death at a moment. God forbid a loved one passes. How are you going to cope with that as an entrepreneur? Are you going to keep running your business? Are you going to say, well, let me stop? Let me stop and see where I am mentally. Am I mild? Am I medium? Am I at a severity? Or can I, do I need to take some time and regroup, regenerate, 
possibly see a provider and, and, and to just find those coping skills. I would say sometimes long-term care is not for all of us. It's situational. So most of the time, entrepreneurs, we're in a, a, a place where we, we keep going and going and you're trying to meet that productivity. But at times you have to stop and say, where am I mentally? Where am I physically? And that's where it's, it's so important that whether you decide, like I said, you decide whether you need a, a, a mental health therapist or you may just need a general coach to help you put those issues in place and set a goal for yourself. Yeah. You know, because sometimes you're overwhelmed as an entrepreneur and you may mean you you may just need some goal settings with a coach itself, a life, a life coach, a behavioral coach as myself. Um, and that's what a coach does. Intensely, sometimes there are situational things, or maybe you have, it could be a long-term disorder. Who? But I would say as every entrepreneur, please endeavor in finding, embracing a provider for yourself. And then what, with that concept, then you can build upon that concept for your employees. And you, and it will, and as entrepreneurs, definitely we'll have more of that compassion and that empathic um, perspective, you know, because it's not, I don't like, I wouldn't want to just perceive my employees as products or employees, but they're individuals. They have lives, they have families, they have situations like anybody else that they're trying to serve or whatever customer base it is. They're just in the role of servicing the customer. But nevertheless, they have the individuals, they're, they're twin situations. So within the company, sure, sure. I would say that um, definitely we need to ensure and create and make that a priority. Make that a priority that mental wellness is a priority first and foremost. <laughs> and yeah. people are produced better. People love to be affirmed and they love to feel as though they are cared for. So yes, they're going to definitely put their all into their position. Because I say it's not the workplace, but it's work life. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we live, you know, at our workplace. I know yeah. that most of the time I do, Katarita, I'm working most of the time. So let's make it home. You know, let's just. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a bit hard that you're working for a corporation or some, yeah. some other business. You are a human resource. Yeah. You are a number, right? And you are treated pretty much as a human resource. And uh, well, they want you to be as resilient as, as you can be, and you know, people have to deal with lot. You know, that today and I, I don't know. I hear from a lot of people that they're overworked. They have to do more. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and, and unfortunately, a, a lot of um, um, employers treat people as as a human resource. Not, you know, it's a, it's a 
it's not a work life it's it's workplace but I, I love the concept of work life yes right. but uh, <laughs> no no it's, it's, it's great but you know what um You've mentioned uh, you've mentioned the optimal, uh, you know, achieving the optimal uh, optimal health and looking after yourself. How can people uh, do this during this COVID times? Uh, I mean, it's 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 been quite a hard uh, year for a lot of people last year, and I know you personally. You also had some struggles as well. So if you can just Tell the listeners a little bit about your um, experiences and, and, you know, how did you overcome your illness uh, last year? Oh, I was going to mind at that time. How did you find energy to go back to building your business? Oh, yes. Um, um, I, um, <laughs> yes, I uh, acquired <laughs> the uh, coronavirus um my kids and I, uh, we we were actually I was just, you know, going to and fro and working and doing what I needed to do. But nevertheless, um, at that time, my my children, they unfortunately attended a funeral, which was another family member. And it was a close family member. And however, their grandmother obtained the coronavirus and it was um brought back into my environment. So we all were quarantining for 14 days. And but nevertheless, um that was a very interesting time because uh I for three days I I was fine. I was fine. I I I had a fever. And nevertheless as uh the days begin to uh progress I could I, I felt very weak as though I just couldn't get out of bed. So this was like, probably I was for, for me, I considered it one of the worst flus, but not to minimize anybody else symptoms. And especially those that are on actually oxygen and ventilators. I I'm, I've been so blessed that my experience was a somewhat different. It was more fatigue. It was, um, Definitely, I had a. I, I didn't realize I had a cavity, and actually, it, it excavated my cavity. So I experienced more of a toothache than anything, um, an extreme toothache, and I plus the fatigue. But nevertheless, I I couldn't work much. I worked very little. I rested. So my self care during the the virus itself was taking care of myself. That was my first order because understand that with the coronavirus, um, there it wasn't much that the doctors can physically do for you. I, fortunately, um, there were remedies out there like turmeric teas and gingers and um, just other uh, remedies to try to uh, manage the illness. So I was in a managing mode. That was my self-care. I was the doctor. I was the nurse. I was all of that. So it wasn't, first and foremost, your business becomes obsolete. It's survival. You're going to, yes, I had to take care of myself because at the time I had much anxiety. I spoke about this on some of my, my live sessions, 
how I was anxious. I was extremely anxious. I didn't know where this was going to go, but I knew I had to care for myself to reduce the anxious feelings. So I rested. I I did what I needed to do for several remedies. Yes, I'm like I said, I am very spiritual. I meditated, I prayed a lot, and I got through it. So hereafter, you know, I I would say that if if you are at a situation where you acquired something or you're caring for a loved one, please prioritize your health. And safety first. And then, God forbid, you know, if something fa- fatal happens, you know, you, you've done what you can do to take care of yourself. So I always believe, like I said, self-care was, self-care for me was caring for me, resting, meditating, ensuring that even my children were okay. And hereafter, I got stronger and I was able to resume my life. So I would say that, you know. um, Yeah. We know that. Yes, I'm sorry. Many people, they're just kind of catastrophizing. And, you know, if they hear COVID, and and I guess guess media is not doing any justice. I mean, it's just showing all these figures of people dying every day and, and, you know. It's it's quite natural for people to think, oh my God, if I catch it, I'm gonna die. But again, your experience is somewhat different, and you've had different symptoms, and you've recovered, and you came out of this situation much stronger mentally and physically. Yeah. And uh, you spent some time kind of reflecting back on 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 on, on who you you know yourself and take care of yourself. So yeah. again, just back to our conversation about first looking after your optimal health yeah yeah we'll take care of it but, yeah. but almost because again your health is uh, is is something you, you should think first and yeah. again not if you catch covid it doesn't mean that you're gonna die <laughs> no it doesn't mean that no because yeah. i my immune system was very good to me katarina i i was always a health conscious person <laughs> so i was very, very lucky I was very lucky. I I don't take for granted, you know, how over the years I've taken care of myself. But nevertheless, um, I always say to my uh, listeners and my viewers and clients and uh, family, as well as anyone, to please at this time, um, prioritize you. Prioritize your health. And that's all the way around, you know, because it's with this with the coronavirus, it's very tricky. It's very tricky. I I, I know that. Oh, I, I forgot to say that. Um, I think after the 14th day, I I felt really bad. I felt really bad because I do have adult bronchitis uh, um, as well as asthma as well. So I went to the hospital because I thought I was having a reoccurrence. But nevertheless, I checked out okay. They took all the tests and they did all these CAT scans and everything. And I took another coronavirus test and I was negative. So what we have out there is long haulers. And those are folks, sometimes you're you're dealing with the residuals of the coronavirus. I mean, it's a very tricky virus. I I spoke extensively to a couple of doctors when I was in the hospital. and, Mm -hmm. And actually, they were saying, you know, we're perplexed. 
we don't know, you know, we're just, you know, every day learning from you guys in regards to your symptoms. So I'm telling you, <laughs> if a doctor <laughs> to you, you know, I'm I'm being very, very honest how scary that is. So I was telling the doctors what I did, what my remedies are. And it was like, oh, great. Well, whatever's working for you. So, guys, listen, um, I cannot stress. Please listen to the CDC um, in regards to social distancing, wearing your protective mask, um, steer clear of large gatherings. We're going to get through this. And if anybody decides that you want to take the vaccine, vaccine, I'm sorry, vaccine, then do that. Um, like I said, I was very lucky. I was, my immune system is great. The, I, I can't say other people have said that their immune system were great and, and it took a turn for the worse. So this particular virus is tricky. Okay. Let's not un, uh, overestimate, underestimate, just take care of yourself. And please listen to the CDC in regards to you know, staying safe and alive. Yeah, no, great, great advice. Thank you so much, Lisa. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you've, um, uh, another question, I guess, uh, I want to ask is that uh, you, you know, you are a, a health, a mental health professional mm -hmm. with a long, you know, uh, you know, long experience working in, in, in the field. And um, we know that there is, enough data out there stating that actually the, the, the number of you know of suicides and, and the number of depressions amongst the healthcare yeah. workers is, is is quite high compared to the of you know professions and stuff like that. So and I, I guess you know if you are looking for uh, after someone with a mental health uh, problem you almost you know if you are empathic you almost like take their pain and little bit of their pain on yourself and you you can't help but get depressed a little bit right yeah. uh, sometimes I, I yeah. guess this is what's happening but uh, you know personally how what's your strategy of managing your mental health and staying on top of things what do you do for fun what do you do to relax uh, how do you look after yourself yeah I'm going to tell you this uh, I've learned over the past few years that I had to become my own therapist. <laughs> I'm telling you, I have to check before, before I didn't know how to manage it. Yes. I was uh, what I call much transference. <laughs> you know, you take on the heart of these people and you just, continue 24 hours thinking and wondering how could I, what could I have said better? What could I do better? And you're not really managing it correctly, emotionally, mentally, physically. Now, Katarina, I'm saying, well, you know what? Hey, let me check um, my, my moods. How am I? Once I'm done, especially I've had a few clients, you know, the past couple of weeks that they were, it had some ideations but nevertheless, you know, I had to say, well, to myself, um, after the sessions or after the end of the day, normally this is how my self-care begins. I'm going to tell you this. This is how I say I start with um, I wake up very early, about six, 
And I have much meditation. I read. I am enlightened by many um, affirmations. And I start with saying much things for myself. I have to start with myself as a client. I have to ensure that I put as much positively positivity in my soul. So I read, I read many affirmations, many spiritual um, content. And nevertheless, um, and then that's when I start my day. And normally I don't know what that day may hold. I, I may have individuals that are okay. I may have individuals that, yes, I have to do a suicide assessment. I'm not sure. But at the end of the day, I'm usually, um, I love to uh, exercise. So I go walking mostly every evening. I have a wonderful walking path. So I, I love it. I have my choice of genre of music. And then I live here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So I love to connect with the beach. <laughs> I mean, it's much healing. The energy is awesome. Wow. Oh my goodness, the energy. Yes, I'll, I'll come to visit. <laughs> yeah, you have to come visit, Katarina. Yes. Oh, oh my God, the energy is breathtaking. <laughs> so, that for me is the water. It is the water to sit there, to marinate, to meditate, to clear everything. I am so much into energy. <laughs> you know, my energy, ha I have to refuel and regenerate for the next episode. <laughs> so, yes, I'm a firm believer, guys, in caring for you um, in regards to uh, especially what I do, because I take in the energy of others and you have to expel that energy. So every morning I'm expelling that energy and every night I'm expelling that energy because I understand when you're listening to someone else's story, experience, tragedy, you're, it's, it's a task of helping these individuals unwind and figure it out and you're taking all that you have inside your soul and it's it, it becomes actually a spiritual connectivity too because you're becoming one with that individual so it's it's something that you can't explain but you feel it and then of course yes Katarina awesome question I have to expel that energy so where do I have to expel it definitely exercise you know at the end of my for my evening, or I watch movies. I love movies. <laughs> I, I I love to laugh. Music. I, I talk with my young adult children. I find myself in initiating, especially this parts of of my season of life that positivity is key for me. Positivity is key. I'm all I'm constantly turning the negative into positive quickly. <laughs> yeah, because you know. Unfortunately, many folks, that's, you know, my line of work, uh, it breeds that energy that people are suffering. So they're in a very um, challenging place. So I'm constantly, I'm happy. I have to put myself in a place where my energy has to be positive, you know? So that's where um, I tell you, I have... Um, I definitely have adapted that. I've definitely have adapted, you know, that positive. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely. So yeah. Yeah. I'm with you to go into, you know, in terms of going to the beach. <laughs> 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 but, uh, 
you know you've um, uh, you, you've started your coaching business quite recently and before that you also um, had a couple of businesses right yes but, uh, were they successful were they not successful uh, how did you deal with any failures if you had any before how did you move on because again entrepreneurship is all about learning on you know failing and picking yourself up and learning from from your experiences and doing things differently next time and it's almost like never stops is it yeah. it's every time you learn something new yeah awesome question um definitely i have uh be my greatest failure was developing a nonprofit in that nonprofit um it wasn't i couldn't develop that the way it 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 didn't come full circle i would say it wasn't established mm-hmm. and that was due to um i had personal um issues a divorce i was going through a divorce um my personal life was in shambles so i honestly i was carrying that business trying to reestablish it mentally and emotionally and i couldn't i had to let it go i had to just let it go and i prioritized my personal immediate situation because at the time i didn't realize i was depressed i was very anxious because at the time you know yes my marriage was failing falling apart so what was priority it was my personal life my children were very young they were 1 and 4 but yet i had the passion in my heart <laughs> to develop this nonprofit but nevertheless my family my life was dysfunctional what about me mentally i was failing <laughs> that was key how do how could i succeed emotionally yeah and, and physically so i decided to connect with a few providers and that helped me to regain me i had to regain me and find out why am i so attached to accomplishing you know in the area of business is it about me or is it something that i i a glitch there within myself so i had to really endeavor to say well you need to be good with you how about just being a mother how about just being a person and then once i'm good with me then i was able to go back and find true purpose in my life i wasn't purposeful but i was more so driven by my own security of feeling accomplished <laughs> so i'm telling you the nonprofit um it was it was definitely a devastation moment for me but it taught me i grew up and i gained and i matured and i became to know okay my destiny is to help people whatever level or scale that is you know i'm going to help these people so now i'm at a great stage that i redeveloped a business which is a coaching business and that's one of my true purposes i love it i love it because i'm doing it um not because i want to be feel accomplished but i'm doing it because I want other folks to feel and heal and gain and grow. It's not about me anymore. 
but it's about everybody else. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I guess it's, I, and you feel more uh, fulfilled, I guess. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, absolutely. I am in the best place, Katarina, than I ever have been because I am good with me. If you're not really good with you, then what is your purpose in life? <laughs> because you're doing it for everyone else. You know, we have the insatiable appetite to want uh, what I call admiration from others. <laughs> but maybe, maybe, maybe not. You'll get it. Maybe you will. I don't know. But admire yourself first. Love you. Have a great relationship with you. And then you'll see past yourself and see the entire need of others so that's where i'm at at this point no great words thank you so much Alisa. <laughs> I guess, yeah to wrap up our, our, our conversation um because obviously you know this, this podcast i mean and i'm sure there are some um guys who are watching it um, <laughs> yeah, and and we might bring more men guests we've had a couple already but uh, uh, generally we kind of um, uh, we are you know some advice for, for, for women female entrepreneurs uh, solopreneurs as well so what would be your advice or the key lesson you you would like to teach them or the key strategy that would help them in their business um, for just general people on a, on a whole, how to um, to be in a business? Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. What would be your um, sort of advice to these people who perhaps want to start new business um, today or in a situation when they're stuck and they don't see the way out or they don't know how to pivot and their current business is not performing? What would be your advice to these people? <clears throat> well, I could, going back to myself, um, I'm always, I'm very interpersonal. <laughs> I'm so person-centered. And I was, as I said before, you have to find the purpose in you. What are you passionate about? Because we have taught here, I would say in America, it's so capitalistic. Um, we're driven to teach our young, um, become educated, get a great job. But honestly, there's a disconnect with passion and purpose. Before you can become a true business owner, uh, entrepreneur, are, are you doing it because you want to gain capital? Are you doing it because you love it? Are you doing it because you, you love it and you want to help people and you want to gain capital as well? First and foremost, find yourself connected with that piece. And I would say go back with, that's why life coaches are so important because that's what their role, is, especially career coaches, they actually help with finding and gaining your passion and your purpose. Before you honestly say, I'm going to be a business owner, okay, because you have to have the passion. Some people actually are exposed to it, 
<laughs> from family. They're kind of grandfathered into it or they transi- transition into it. So the automatic passion and the purpose is there. So they understand it. But for those that have a sense of an inkling and say, yes, I, I want to be independent. I want to um, have my, my own business. But find out what what exactly are you trying to, um, I would say, offer the public? It's always something, whether, uh, you know, it, it, is it something that people, do they want to, you know, gain from this or... Is it something they can use? I mean, I don't want to be so so deep with it, but I, I would say like for myself as a business owner, I wanted to ensure that I offer something that the society, you need it and it's going to help you. That's the line of business that I'm in. I'm a helping professional. You know, I don't sell. Um, I would say I'm not a grocery store owner, <laughs> but I'm a helping professional. And I provide what I call mental wellness so that you can have optimal health to build upon whatever you want to do to live a, a, a very well life. So I'm in charge of your well-being and that's my business. I'm very passionate about it. I love it. So whatever you do, ensure that again, that you have the passion mm-hmm. and, and, and then you will find the purpose in it. Because there are so many, there are numerous businesses, but individuals, they're not happy. Yeah. <laughs> they're saying uh, there's the, the priority of gaining the capital instead of saying, okay, let me do purpose and passion first before the capital. Because the capital will always come. But if you have passion and purpose, you will yeah. gain as much capital as you need. <laughs> Words of wisdom. Thank you so much, Alice. You are so welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. And it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. And and thank you for sharing all your wisdom and your experiences and strategies on how to manage the mental health. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show. Please send me any comments or feedback. If you're an entrepreneur and want to share your story, please contact me. The link is in the podcast show notes. Also, please see the social media links and uh, links to offers from my guests on the podcast notes. This podcast is sponsored by Smart Octopus Voice Agency who create chatbots and voice skills on Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. So I'm really excited uh, to tell you that this podcast is now available as an Alexa skill. Uh, So you can search for resilient entrepreneur uh, skill and enable it as a flash briefing. So that's all for me. Uh, I I wish you good mental health and You are just one mind hack away. Till next time.